Father in heaven, we just thank you once again that we can be with you, that you can teach us, Lord, and we pray that your spirit would lead and guide our, our next study together and that you would draw us near to you and that you would open our minds, keep us awake, keep us alert, and may the Holy Spirit speak to our hearts and, and ingrain these principles into our minds. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. All right, three easy ways to write and give Bible studies. Uh, before we jump into those three ways, I just want to briefly go over a few characteristics that you need to really observe, that you need to really pay attention to when you're thinking about writing your own Bible studies. And uh, these things apply to any type of study that you're going to uh, be doing. The, the first one is that the study must be relevant to the hearer in their personal life. In other words, the study that you study with them, whether it's the Sabbath, whether it's, you know, what happens when you die, whether it's, is heaven real, that study itself, the information that you give, may not always seem relevant to the person you're studying with. So what is your job as the Bible worker? What do you have to do with that study? You have to make it what? Relevant for that person. And so I'm going to teach you how to do that. I need to, we need to make those Bible studies personal for that person. So, in other words, if you go and you, um, let's say you go to a, uh, a welding shop and you don't know anything about welding, and that guy is standing there talking to you about welding for eight hours, is that going to bore you, yes or no? Are you going to be tired of that by the time you get to the end, yes or no? Is that, are you going to find anything that applies to your life personally? Probably not. But what if that welder was sitting there and he was telling you all kinds of stories and, and, you, and he made parallels between welding and your life? I mean, I just pulled a, a random example. Is that more beneficial, yes or no? So you can take any Bible subject and it can be as boring and as irrelevant as all get out to a person or it can be as powerful and as personal to a person. It all depends upon what, how you do the study. Does that make sense? All right. Okay, number two, the foundation and main idea must be based on what? The Bible. We should not take a statement from some famous preacher and, and, and use that as the basis for our Bible study. Does that make sense? We shouldn't open our Bible and point to a text and try to do a Bible study on it. We shouldn't do a Bible study based on some new philosophical idea, but our Bible study should be exactly what the title is, a what? Bible study. Do you follow me? Some people will take the, the latest great idea and try to just talk about that in a Bible study. That is not going to help people make decisions for Christ. It is not going to help people. It's not going to be relevant to them. The Bible is what changes people's lives. Not famous preachers, not great thoughts, not Chinese proverbs, but the Bible. Okay, And so we need to keep the Bible as the focus. Um, Christ should be the center of every thought. He should be the core, the shell, the inner, the outer circumference of every ideal you present. For it is only when Christ is lifted up that people are drawn to Him. He is the center of our faith. Now, let me, let me demonstrate this for you. How do we make the Sabbath Christ-centered if we write a Bible study? Can we give all the text on the seventh day as the Sabbath? God blessed it. He sanctified it. He rested on it. Um, the Sabbath is a sign that God is our, our Lord from Ezekiel. The Sabbath is the, is the day of the Lord's day. We have all these different statements, right? 
Are those facts or are those personal things? They're facts, aren't they? So I need to make the Sabbath personal. I need to make it Christ-centered for a person. So how do I do that? Time with Him? Okay. What else? You guys are mighty quiet. Show how Christ went to the church on Sabbath. Okay, Christ went to the church on Sabbath. Is that a fact or is it, is it personal for that person? It's a fact, isn't it? Anyone else want to take a stab? How the Sabbath... Right, what well, your experience is with the Sabbath, right? What does the Sabbath do for you? What is your name? Alex, what does the Sabbath do for you? Um, it's just the best day of the week. It gives me the energy to live. <laughs> okay, it, it gives you peace. It brings hope, right? It's one thing for a person to accept the Sabbath because it's the right day. It's another thing for a person to realize that Jesus is the creator of the Sabbath, right? And so the way we make it Christ-centered is not to just say, well, Jesus kept the Sabbath. And, and that's a good thing. Not, I'm not picking on you, but, but just to say Jesus kept the Sabbath, that does not make it Christ-centered. But what does the Sabbath mean to Christ? It means that the Sabbath is a day that Jesus wants to spend with us, right? It's a day that He created especially for us. It's a castle in time. It's a day that Christ wants to spend with you and to spend with me, right? What about the state of the dead? How do we make that Christ-centered? Jesus understands what? Death. Why does he understand death? Because he experienced it, right? That's one reason. What is the shortest text in all the Bible? Jesus wept, right? And why was he weeping? Because Lazarus was dead. Does Jesus, well, I, I understand, I understand the, the statement from Mrs. White, but, but he was also weeping for that reason, but I understand the deeper reason, okay? But Jesus understood not just death personally, but he understands what it's like to lose a loved one. Does that make sense? Jesus understands what it's like to suffer that aching feeling when someone close to you slips away from that deep breath. Do you think that that will reach the heart of a person? If they know that Jesus is not some God that sits up on the throne and looks down upon us and He doesn't have any idea what we go through, does that sound better or does this sound better? That Jesus was a person that walked in your shoes he understands death because those around him that he cared about, some of those people died, right? Jesus understands the pain of death. But because Jesus has conquered the grave, because Jesus has overcome death, he can give us peace when we are suffering from those types of things. Does that make sense? Because Jesus has overcome death, he can give us victory over the fear of our own personal death, right? Jesus can give us hope that goes beyond the grave. Does that make sense? That, those are the type of things that make a Bible study Christ-centered rather than the dead know not anything. The Sabbath is a sign between you and the Lord that the, He is the Lord thy God that sanctifies thee. Uh, the seventh day is the Sabbath, right? Those are great things that need to be in our Bible study, but our Bible studies also need to reach out to people. They need to identify them with Jesus. Amen? And so how does Christ personally fit into that Bible study? We need to understand that. The study should be of a doctrinal, prophetic, devotional, or practical nature. Be careful of giving Bible studies on things like, will my pet go to heaven? Right? Now, have you, has anyone ever asked that, you that question? Will my pet go to heaven? People ask those kind of questions all the time. That's an answer that you can give in how many minutes? Probably like less than one, right? 
less than one minute. So don't spend an entire Bible study on things like, <clears throat> does my pet go to heaven or whatever like that, right? Make sure that you have a purpose and a goal with your Bible study. Just a few more characteristics. Um, something's happening here. Okay, there we go. While you don't have to know everything, you should be familiar with the subject, right? You share what you know, but should you just go in there off a whim and try to give a Bible study? Or should you prepare beforehand? Does that mean you have to know everything? It doesn't. But you need to know something, right? The studies should not be so broad that they go longer than how long? An hour. Prepare your material ahead of time. No more than 10 to 12 Bible studies. And know how to salt the oats in your study to create... Uh, interest in a future subject. In other words, keep them hungry, right? The carrot. Dangle the carrot in front of them. Next week, have you ever wondered what happens when you die? Have you ever wondered, uh, do you go to heaven? Do you go to hell? We're going to study that next week in our Bible study, right? Salt the oats and your Bible studies. All right, let's talk about three ways uh, to use or to write your own Bible studies. The first one I want to talk about is using pre-made Bible studies. You guys have seen these kind of Bible studies before, right? Amazing facts Bible studies, historical, search for certainty, discover Bible studies. There's all these different types of Bible studies out there, and they're all very, very good. <clears throat> if you're deciding to use a Bible study with a particular person, you say to that person, hey, I've just ran across a great series of Bible studies. I didn't want to do them alone. I'm looking for someone to do them with. Would you be interested in doing them with me? And if they're interested, what do you think they'll say? They'll say yes, right? And then you can start that Bible study with that person. That's a great way to do it. Just ask people. I was going to do these studies myself. Would you be willing to do them with me? I don't want to do them alone. And, and many people you'll find will say yes. It's that simple. Just simply ask them. So how do I take these studies? Um, typically, you've seen these studies. They're laid out in a question and answer format, right? It'll say, number one, you know, what does God say about the Ten Commandments, or just whatever. And then it'll give a Bible text for the answer, right? And it goes all the way to, through, and there's maybe 10, 15 questions per study, right? And you go through the study, and then it has a little question at the end. Would you like to give your heart to Jesus, okay, or whatever, that decision question. Those are fine if people are doing them on their own. But if you're giving the Bible study... And you're just, you just read the question and look up the text, read the question, look up the text, read the question, look up the text, read the question, look up the... Are you with me? Yeah. Does that get a little bit old? Yes. You need to make your Bible study what? Be alive, right? And there's different ways that we can do that. So let's just say I take a Bible study and uh, I have this... I'm, this is not a Bible study, but let's just pretend. I have the historicals of bio, uh, prophecy Bible study, right? and I have all the questions laid out, um, there are several things that I want to add to that Bible study that will make it very, very interesting. And I'm going to go through those one by one. Number A, or letter A, remember to deal with felt needs. Now, what is a felt need? Anybody? Nobody knows? Yeah, what, what they need. In other words, if I have, you know... Um, Let's say I, I meet a homeless person, right? And I'm trying to witness to that man, and he hasn't had a meal in three days. Is he thinking about what I'm telling him, or is he thinking about the food he needs to eat, right? So what's his felt need? Food, right? 
If I have a person, a friend of mine, and their spouse just died three days ago, are they going to th probably think about what I'm trying to share with them? Or what are they thinking about? The pain that they are experiencing, right? Does that make sense? And so a felt need is simply anything in my life that I'm experiencing that, that I need help with, right? That's a felt need. In other words, I feel that need in my life more than anything else. That's a felt need. And so in my Bible studies, I need to deal with felt needs, right? Now, I can't always, if I'm doing Bible studies with someone, you can't always spend your time with their problems, right? Week after week, because your purpose, although you're their friend and you need to be a friend to them and help them with their problems, if you're never studying the Bible with them, is that a problem also, yes or no? So you've got to have a balance. You don't want to spend all your time hanging out with them, but you don't want to be so consumed with the Bible study that you never, you never encourage them or help them and be their friend as well, right? So within my Bible study, I need to be ready to deal with felt needs, okay? So what I want to do is I want to have two or three additional Bible texts that I have within my study that I know that that person may be dealing with, all right? So let's say I've been studying with a person, and let's say, just for instance, I'm studying their great controversy or whatever, whatever it may be, and I'm studying with them, and they say out of the blue, you know, I just lost my job last week. I, I didn't want to tell you at the beginning. Uh, I'm feeling so badly about it. I, I, I just lost my job. Well, is that a felt need, yes or no? What is a Bible text that I could use, that I could share with that person, that will help them with that felt need? Anyone think of one off the top of your head? Okay. Seek ye first the kingdom of God, Matthew 6.33. And His righteousness and all these things will be added unto you, right? And don't worry about what you should eat or what you should drink is another one. Okay. Never seen the righteous forsaken, right? What about Philippians 4.19? What's that one say? My God shall supply all your needs according to His riches and glory in Christ Jesus, right? And so we need to have texts that, that, and it's helpful ahead of time to know what problems they're dealing with so that I can have texts on that. Now, a great resource to help you with this is a Bible promise book. You can get one at Walmart for about $3, okay? And it has a list of subjects, financial troubles, death, uh, distress, um, divorce, uh, whatever. And it has a list of subjects, and then it has a list of Bible promises. And it's good to memorize as many promises as you can, right? Um, but until you can get to that point, have some prepared ahead of time. Just a couple of texts. And that way, when, when they present a problem or you know they're struggling with it, you can address that felt need within your Bible study, right? Um, if you're studying death and you know that they had a loved one. You know, when I had a loved one that passed away, this text really spoke to my heart. It really gave me a lot of peace and comfort in my life. Do you mind if I share that text with you? If they're experiencing inner turmoil and pain from the death of that loved one, and they see that you have something that helped you when you went through a similar trial, do you think that they'll be interested in hearing about that, yes or no? Yeah. They will, won't they? And so they'll say, yes, please share that text with me. So have texts that deal with these felt needs. Ask questions um, to find out what hinders them, right? Or what, what they may be struggling with. You know, you can ask simple questions like, how's your week been going? You know, I, sometimes when, after I've won confidence of a person, I'll just openly ask them, 
you know, is there anything you're struggling with this week? Is there anything I can keep in prayer for you? When you ask that question, is there something I can keep in prayer for you? That is typically an open wedge for them to start sharing with you things that trouble them. And when they do that, it gives you the opportunity to share that Bible text with them. Amen? And, uh, and so God wants you to use these wonderful promises to help you, uh, or to help them, rather. Weave promises into your study that helps them with that need and gives them confidence that God is the answer. Don't feel like if someone starts sharing their problems with you, don't feel like you have to become the professional counselor. All right? You're not qualified, in most cases, to, to counsel people on in-depth things. Like if they say, man, I'm going through a divorce and, and you know, here's the situation. Do you think that I should divorce that person uh, or whatever? You know, don't attempt to answer those kind of questions. Just say, you know what? I don't know what the answer is, but God does. Can I share a promise with you? And I want to assure you that I'm going to pray with you. And if there's a pastor or someone that they really have a crisis, I would encourage you to guide them to that pastor, right? Someone that they can talk with. So don't feel like you have to have every answer. And then share with them a similar experience you've had and how God has helped you through that experience, all right? Let's say they start sharing with you about their divorce. You, and you went through a divorce yourself, or maybe your parents went through a divorce, or someone close to you. You can share with them that experience, and it greatly helps people. And you can say, you know what, I claimed this Bible promise when I, when I was going through this, and I found that God's promises work, right? And is that going to boost confidence in that person, and for God, in God for that person, yes or no? It will, won't it? And so don't be afraid to share experiences. But on the other hand, don't use your experience as a... Um, as a, I don't know, as an outlet to like pour all your problems on your Bible study contact, right? Uh, some people I, I know they've done this and they start sharing. And before you know it, it's, it's the person receiving the Bible study that's trying to counsel the person that's, that's getting, you know what I mean? And so don't, don't just get on your, your hobby horse or don't pour yourself out to that person, but share the experience, share, be sure to dwell on how God helped you gain the victory in that, right? And emphasize to that person over and over again that God is the answer, right? God is the answer. I don't know how He'll work it out for you, but I know that He will. And even though your circumstances sometimes may not change or on the outside, we can have peace on the inside, amen? God will give us peace on the inside. All right, so deal with felt needs. Secondly, include personal testimonies. Um, use a short story about how God has worked in your life, um, how he's answered prayer. You know, I told you earlier this year, I had cancer. I, I was almost dead. Um, I was in the hospital for, for 40 days and uh, I, earlier in March. And so when I share something with people, guess what I share with them? I share how God answered the prayer. Thousands of people were praying for me all across the world. And God miraculously healed me. I mean, there wasn't a bright light or anything, but he, he just healed me, and I end, I'm cancer-free now. I have no cancer at all. So when I share that, when I share a Bible study with someone, guess what a story is that I can use? I can share how God healed me, but also when I was suffering, how he was giving me peace, even though I had peace, even though I didn't know I was going to live, right? And so everybody has some type of story that they can use about what God has done for them at some point in their life, right? Or share a story about someone else. So use personal testimonies in your Bible studies. This helps keep the Bible study 
interesting, right? And remember, we don't want to go read the question, look up the text, read the question, look up the text. You want to tell stories that are relevant to what you're studying as you go along in your study. You follow me? Okay, this will greatly enhance your Bible study. All right, C, have a goal when you go into um, a Bible study. Have in mind specifically what you want to accomplish. Don't just go in and say, I have this whole list, this whole mess of stuff that I'm going to cover with them, all these texts. No, go in there and say, I want them to understand what happens when a person dies. I want them to understand that Jesus is the source of all comfort when, when, when someone close to us dies. I want them to understand that there's hope beyond the grave, right? So make a list of goals that you want to accomplish with that person in your Bible study, okay? And have those goals in mind. You may not get to all of them in that time period. That's okay. You can pick up where you left off. But, but be sure, the more organized you are, the more structured you are, the easier it's going to be to move through that Bible study. And, and the less easy it will be to get off the subject. It's very easy to do that, is it not? Is it, we, we go in there, we have good intentions, we're starting to study, and before you know it, we're talking for 45 minutes about something that is completely not important, right? And so having a goal in mind keeps you on track, all right? Um, don't get so distracted by too much visitation that you never have, have time for the study. Um, I had this guy one time, and, and man, it, it, I got to the point where it's like, and I don't, I don't typically tell people this, but it's like I didn't want the guy to talk. I, I didn't want to give him the opportunity because if I gave him the opportunity, he would talk for the next 20 minutes. And it's like, you know, typically you can cut people off. You know, they'll stop for a second. You can say, well, let's go on to number six, right? But this guy, it was like, I don't know how he breathed because he never stopped talking. It was just like one continual flow for 20 minutes. And I couldn't even have a break. And so I got to the point where I didn't even want this guy to talk anymore, right? And so you got to be careful that you don't, you don't do that. What I do is I look for little cracks in the middle of the conversation. I'll say, well, that's very interesting. Well, let's keep going in our study. Let's keep moving on, right? Or I try to take control of the subject. I'll say, you know, that's great, and I'll make like a one-sentence comment, and then I'll move on, right? And so it can, and most people don't even pay attention. A lot of people just talk just to be talking. You know what I mean? And if you cut them off, they're not, it's not going to hurt their feelings, right? You just keep on going and they don't know the difference, uh, okay? And they just talk anytime they have an opportunity. So you've got to be careful with these kind of people, right? Be careful and uh, don't get too distracted. All right, you want to use also illustrations in your Bible study. Now, does anyone not know what an illustration is? is that, how many of you know what an illustration is? How many of you are uh, alive out there? Are you, are you alive? Are you thankful to be alive? Are you thankful the person next to you is alive? Right? Okay. All right. So you want to use illustrations. This can be a story, a poem, an amazing fact, a personal testimony. It can be anything that you use to help a person understand a particular point. Does that make sense? Like, for instance, an illustration to say which day is, or, or the seventh day is the Sabbath, right? And I say, well, someone will say, well, what, what about any day? I can choose any seventh day, right? I can just count on the calendar uh, up seven days and take a Sabbath. Why does it have to be specifically Saturday? Then I would use the illustration of, 
when I got married, right? And I, there was my wife and six bridesmaids. And I told my wife, hey, I'm going to go home with one of these seven girls. It could be you. It could be your, your maid of honor, right? But as long as I go home with one of these seven and not one of those seven over there, I'm all right. Is that true or, yes or not? It's not true, is it? I have to go home with who? How many of you ladies would be happy if your, your husband went home with one of your bridesmaids? Not at all, right? So is that, does that make sense, though? Are you following me? That's an illustration. It helps the person understand the point that you're trying to make. Okay? So, and I typically spend a lot more time on this, but uh, I'm going to have to roll over it pretty quickly. I have a whole couple pages on illustrations in your handout. You can read through that. I have a whole list of websites that you can go to that give illustrations. I have all that information for you. I have a list of characteristics you want to look for in illustrations and whatnot. All right. Make it Christ-centered. I'm just going to review this section. All right. Um, divide the lesson into three to four sections. Now, this is what you want to do. You want to take that study. The, those were the things you want to add to it. Now, I'm going to explain how to do it. You want to take that Bible study, and you want to read through the Bible study yourself. Okay? Now, let me ask you this. When you listen to a sermon, how many of you are able to remember every single thing you heard in that sermon? Let me see your hands. Nobody, right? Well, you, brother. Uh, maybe one of us, right? If we have a photographic memory. But most of us don't remember everything the preacher said, right? But there may be some point, some idea, some thought. Maybe it's a sentence. Maybe it's a few sentences. And when he says that sentence, it just like, it just like jolts you, right? You're just like, mm. you know what I'm talking about? And it's just some type of hard truth that just hits home. And do you forget that truth, yes or no? You don't forget that truth, right? <clears throat> it was personal, it was practical, it was powerful, and it hit you like a ton of bricks. Are you with me? And he may do that three or four times, and you walk out of that sermon, you say, whew, man, that was good, right? And someone, and he said, man, you should have heard that sermon. And they say, well, what did the preacher say? Man, I don't remember, but boy, was it good, right? So most of us don't remember the whole sermon, but you can walk out of there and you can say, there were three or four things he said that just stuck with me. You know what I'm talking about? When a preacher does that, that's what you want to do in your Bible studies. It's kind of like a mini sermon. You want to draw out the top three or four main ideas from that study, and you want to say, I want to emphasize these three or four points to that person during my study. That way, when I leave, if they remember anything at all, they're going to remember these things. Does that make sense? Do you follow me on that? Okay, so let's use the example of the Sabbath, all right? Uh, what, are some, what are some main thoughts about the Sabbath that we would, I'm just pulling something out of the air, that we would really, really want to emphasize to a person? Okay, let's just say that the seventh day is the Sabbath, right? Which day is the true Sabbath, right? Do they need to know that? That's a main thought that I want to emphasize throughout the whole sermon. What's another idea? It was given out of love, right? It's a love gift to hum humanity, right? And God wants to spend that time with us, right? It's a, it's a relationship issue, 
Okay, so we want them to know what day the correct Sabbath is. We want them to know that it's a love relationship. It's, it's, a, it's a gift from God. What's one more thought? And we're just, we're just pulling an example here. Yes. Okay, that's probably a sub-thought, right? That's a sub-thought because it's not a big enough idea. It's a good idea, but it's not a big enough idea to make it one of those main ideas. What's one more thing? What? Okay, it's still relevant today, right? God wants us to keep the Sabbath when? Today, right? So three things. When the Sabbath is, the Sabbath is a day of relationship between me and Christ, and the Sabbath is still relevant today, and God wants us to keep it. Can you see how those three main ideas, they're, they're very broad, right? And within those things, within telling them which day is the Sabbath, I'm going to say the Lord sanctified the seventh day. I'm going to say that within that category, right? Or within that subtitle, that sub-idea. But I want those three or four main ideas. So that way when I leave that study, that person's got those ideas in their head. Does that make sense? All right? So I take that study, I read through it, and I say, what are the top three or four main ideas that I want to draw out of that study and I want to emphasize to that person as I study with them, okay? So what I do is I call these main ideas, I call them main points. How many of you have preached a sermon before? It's the same principle as preaching a sermon. Three or four main points, three or four main ideas that cover the, the broadness of the subject you're studying, okay? Secondly, include two personal testimonies in the study. Somewhere within that Bible study, wherever you sense that they fit, you need to include two personal testimonies. So let's use the example of the Sabbath. Let's say um, when it, it talks about you know, not buying or selling on the Sabbath, right? or not working on the Sabbath. That's a better one. Not working on the Sabbath. What type of personal testimony might you tell if you have one? Maybe you were faced with a... Yeah, maybe you had to give up a job, right? Maybe you, you were faced with a, with a crisis where you, um, the Bible says don't work on the Sabbath, but you had a job where you had to work every Saturday, and you had to decide, and you decided to be faithful to God, and God blessed you, and He gave you off that Sabbath. Or maybe you lost your job, but then God gave you a better job, right? Or, or whatever the circumstances would be. So tell a personal testimony about something that God did for you that's related to that subject. Does that make sense? You want to have at least two of those in your Bible study somewhere because it's one thing to tell, sister, what is your name? Rhoda. Rhoda. It's one thing to tell Rhoda, Rhoda, God will bless you. He will honor you if you keep his Sabbath, right? Is that true? Does it apply to her life? But is it really real to her? But if I say, Rhoda, God will bless you and honor you if you keep the Sabbath, let me tell you a story about what happened to me one time. Boom, 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 boom. Then the promises come from black ink on paper to real relevance in her life. Does that make sense? Rhoda sees God's promises applied in real life situation. Do you follow me? That's what a personal testimony will do. That's why it's powerful. So in every, it does, your, this testimony does not have to be some three-page story. It can be a simple Bible truth. Like, for instance, it can be a simple thought. God gave me so much peace when I, the first time I ever read this text. When I lost that loved one, I read this Bible text and God gave me peace. Is that a testimony? It is, isn't it? 
or it can be a story. It can be short or it can be longer, okay? So include at least two of those in your Bible study. Now, how many main ideas are you going to bring out? Three or four, depending on your study. No more less than three, no more than four. And with each of those main ideas, each of those main points, each of that point that you really want to emphasize, you need to have some type of illustration that helps them understand that point. God wants, you know, the Sabbath is, is, is something that God wants as, to do as a relationship with you. And then I talk about maybe my wife and I, the relationship that we have, right? If I missed her, our anniversary, which is, by the way, Saturday night. We've been married for five years. Can you say amen? You can congratulate me afterwards, right? You can give me my, our anniversary gift later. All right. So, so I would use that. I would say, what happened if I miss my wife's anniversary, right? Okay. So I, and the main point is that God wants that relationship with us. What would that do to the relationship of me and my wife? It would damage it, wouldn't it? Right? And so I want to emphasize in that, in that illustration the concept. Help them understand the main point that I'm trying to get across to them. Don't use more than 10 to 12 Bible texts, friends. I'm telling you, you don't have to mow them down. You don't have to pin them to the wall. If they need more texts to understand, they will ask you. Or you can ask them, is it clear to you? Was it clear from the Bible? If they say, I don't quite understand, then what? You use more text. If you go in there using 50 texts, I'm telling you, you're going to be in trouble. They're, they're going to go cross-eyed before the end of the study, okay? And uh, you're going to lose that Bible study. Then at the end, this is vitally, vitally important. At the very end of your, of your Bible study, you want to do a summary. Now, what do you think you're going to summarize? Not everything, but what? The main points, right? Because what this does is, what are you going to do at the very end of your Bible study? You're going to ask them for a... And a decision. You're going to give them an appeal and ask them for a decision. And so before you give that appeal, before you, you um, ask that decision question, what do you want to be fresh in their minds? You want those points to be fresh in their minds. So what I tell them is I say, let's review this again uh, just before we close here. Number one, we learned today that the seventh day is the Sabbath and, and that the, the seventh day of the week is Saturday. And secondly, that God loves us so much. He wants to spend time with us. He wants us to keep and honor His Sabbath. And thirdly, we saw that God's Sabbath is relevant to our lives today, right? Now, did you see those things from the Bible? Were they clear to you? Yes. Then you can move in and say, have you considered keeping the Sabbath? Kevin's going to talk more about appeals tomorrow. And you can ask that person, would you like to follow Jesus by keeping His seventh-day Sabbath, right? So what that does, that summary, that review, it helps set up your opportunity to ask that person for a decision. You always want to ask a decision in every Bible study. So let's say you're studying in your first Bible study. How would you, do you have to ask them to like fall down on the ground and accept Jesus as their Savior in that Bible study? No. If you study the first Bible study, let's say, can we trust the Bible? That's the study we study with them, right? And we, at the end, we ask them a simple question. Do you want to see what God's plan is for your life? Or based upon what we studied today, do you think that we can have confidence in the Bible? And they say what? Yes. So what, by making little decisions, what does that help them do later down the road? Make big decisions. Do you see how that works? If they can, you get them in the habit of saying yes to little things, then when it comes to big things, 
they will be able to do that. They will be able to make those decisions much more easily. Does that make, you follow me? All right, okay. Always, always, always make an appeal and ask a decision question. All right, so that's how you would do a, uh, a series of, of Bible study guides. You simply add those things, the personal testimonies, you draw out the main ideas, you add stories and illustrations, and at the end, you give a summary and ask for a decision. It's, it's very, very easy. Most of the Bible study is already there for you. You just simply need to add those few elements. How many think you can do it? Are you sure? All right, you guys can do it. It's very, very easy. All right, secondly, now if you were at AFCO, I would now give you an assignment. And I would say next week, I would give you a Bible study guide. And I would say next week, I want you to have all those things uh, done in that Bible study. And then I would help you do it. And then you guys would practice it. So if you want to have more, where do you need to come? You need to come to AFCO. All right. So number two, writing doctrinal or non-doctrinal Bible studies. You know, sometimes you need to, you need to give a study that is, unre- that is undoctrinal. You know what I'm talking about? Sometimes <clears throat> someone is struggling with pornography or they want to know how to stop smoking or they want to know how to, how to um, have more faith or, or they have an anger problem, Right. And if you study the Sabbath with someone and, and their real need is how to stop being addicted to pornography, is that Sabbath study going to help them? It's not going to help them, is it? You need, we need to know how do I write Bible studies that will apply to people's specific lives. Do we need to have both types of studies? Absolutely, right? But I may be in the middle of my Bible study series and they may say, you know what I have to tell you, I have this addiction or I have this problem. Is it all right to stop your series for a week or two and study with them how to have victory over that issue? Very appropriate. You better do that, right? You better do that because if you keep going on, you're, you're accomplishing nothing with that person until they see or they, until they experience victory in their life. So how do I do this? How do I write? Um, this is on page 40 through 42 in your study guide. Um, number one, pray earnestly for God's guidance. That goes without saying, right? We always have to pray, pray, pray for God's guidance. Number two, begin with texts that you're already familiar with. Let's say, let's pick a subject like anger. Let's just say anger. Someone has a temper problem. They realize it. They know they need victory. And so um, let's say you know half a dozen texts uh, that talk about anger. What, what are some that talk about anger? Right, a soft answer turned away wrath. That's right. Another? Be angry and sin not. So start with the text that you already know. Okay? Write all those texts down. Write the reference out. Write the text out. And so that way you will have them all in front of you. Okay? So you may know three texts. You may know 20 texts. You may know all the texts in the Bible they talk about. I don't know. But write down the ones that you know and start there. All right? Three, consult other resources for texts and ideas. There are books... A lot of books, like the Bible Promise book. There is, how many of you have seen the book by uh, Mark Finley, Studying Together? It has a whole series of Bible studies on, uh, on uh, practical subjects, uh, anger, faith, prayer, all these different things. Um, do some of those. Uh, look at some of those books. I encourage you not to just copy their, their studies. And the reason I encourage you not to do that is because it's hard to track someone else's thoughts, Right? If you're first starting to do your own studies, it's okay. But the more experience you get, the more you're going to want to start doing your own. 
Does that make sense? So that way it's easier for you to, to give those studies when they're your own thoughts rather than someone else's thoughts. It works okay for a while, but eventually you want to break out of that mold. So contact these other sources and look up these texts and, and, and see what other people have to say, what texts they use, and you may be able to pull some stuff from there. Number, f I already mentioned this, avoid copying. Number five, use a Bible software or concordance to search for other texts. Open that concordance, that big fat book on your bookshelf that you've had for five years and you didn't know what to do with it, and it's collected a bunch of dust, and you know, we're so excited when we get one because it's like a big book and we think it's cool, but usually we put it on the shelf and don't do anything with it, right? You know what I'm talking about? Uh, I, I know a lot of you are grinning right now, and you know what I'm talking about. So pull out that concordance, and let's say we're studying anger. Look up the word anger, and look at all those texts. I'm not saying that you have to read every single text, because there may be 200 references, right? But scan down the concordance and pick out some key uh, text on anger. Look up associated words. What's an associated word with anger in the Bible? Wrath. Wrath. What else? Angry. Angered. Look up all the different words. If you're looking up salvation, what would you look up? Salvation, saved, saves, saved. redeemed, whatever, right? So look up associated words and collect a database of Bible texts, okay? So you may have, at the end of your research, you may have a hundred Bible texts, okay? And you know what those texts say, all right? Now, now you're ready for your Bible study, right? You have a hundred texts, right? We're ready for that spiritual machine gun, right? We've locked and loaded. What do I need to do? I need to narrow down, narrow them down, right? If I have a hundred texts or whatever, I want to narrow it down to a certain number. And what's that number? What does it say up there? Nine Bible texts. Now you remember I said 10 to 12 Bible texts. Now I'll come back to that in a minute because you need an introduction text and you need a closing text, right? So you want to pick nine of the top texts. Now this may require a little bit of study, okay? Now you shouldn't have to spend 20 hours on this study, but you may have to spend an hour or two, okay? Researching those texts and saying, what are the texts that speak the loudest on this issue, right? What are the texts that really bring a point home? And there may be a text that says, Paul was angry at Barnabas, right? Is that, is that a text you want to use? No. But a, a text that says, a soft answer turneth away wrath, is that a good text to use? So you want to look through those texts and say, what are the powerful texts that really stand out, right? And narrow it down to the top nine. That may take a little bit of time, but you'll be able to do it, okay? All right. Now, if you really want to cheat, if you really don't have time, just go straight to the studying together, all right? And, and look at some of those. But I encourage you to do it on your own so you'll be ready, uh, you'll, be ready. You, you'll understand the text better. Read the text for the literal sense first, okay? Just read it, what does the text say? Then, secondly, you want to read it again and look for the what? The spiritual meaning. What's the spiritual application, okay? Uh, in other words, what's the spiritual context? What's this text saying to me? How does this apply to me spiritually, all right? So, for instance, I may read a story in the Bible about somebody that was angry. Then I want to reread it for the spiritual meaning. In other words, what is that text? How does that a text apply to my life? What is the spiritual lesson in this text? Are you with me? Okay. Thirdly, does this text apply to the situation I'm dealing with with this particular person? 
Okay? Let's say the man gets angry and screams at his wife all the time. Now, does a text that says, A soft answer turneth away wrath, does that apply to him? Huh? Not, not particularly because why? He's the one that's yelling, right? Now, would that text, if I studied with his wife, would that a text apply to her? It would, wouldn't it, right? So I have to determine, does this text apply to the person that I'm studying with? Does it apply to their particular situation? Okay? Are you with me so far? How many of you are with me? How many of you are lost? All right, good. You guys, you guys are good Bible students. All right, number four, will this text speak to the person's heart? Now, it may not always, but you need to have some text, at least probably half of them, that's, that's moving. Don't have all text that are ushy-gushy, and don't have all texts that are just facts, okay? You need to make sure that you have a good blend. All right, once I have these nine texts, and I have them on my sheet, I've narrowed them down, so this is taking some work, I've narrowed them down, then I want to bring out the main idea from each text, okay? What is each text saying? A soft answer turns away wrath. What is the text saying? What's the main idea? If you had one sentence, what's the main idea? What? When someone responds to you in anger, what should you do? You should not get angry back, right? You need to maintain what? Patience, right? And be calm when someone else is angry with you. Are you with me? Okay, so what is the main idea of the text? Go through each of your nine texts and pull out the main idea for each text, okay? That's going to be your, your commentary. When you read the text, then you're going to be able to comment on it based upon the main thought that you brought out from each text, right? Okay? All right. What does this text say to me about my relationship with God? These are some ways that I can pull out the main text, some questions I can ask. A soft answer turns away wrath. So I read that text, and then I say, what does this text say to me about my relationship with God? Is that a good question to ask? It's a good question to ask, isn't it? Is there an example for me to follow? Is there an example in that text? What is it? Give a soft answer, right? Three, uh, is there a, a sin to confess or, or in this text or to shun? Is there, yes or no? Soft answer turns away wrath. It depends on what I've done, right? Avoid these things, okay? So we need to ask these types of questions. Is there a duty for me to perform? Yes or no? Yes. What is it? Soft answers, right? Okay. Is there a lesson to apply? And some of these are a little bit um, similar. Uh, is there a practical application? So go through the text and ask these various questions about the text. And you're going to come up with, with all kinds of ideas. I promise you guys have been doing it already, okay? It's very easy to do that. Many times the, the word is right there and it's so powerful and it's so loaded. We just need to learn the right way to pull that power out, right? And these types of questions will do that. So go through each of those nine texts, pull out the main idea from each text, and then I want to do the same thing again that I did in my previous study. What was it? Come up with what? Three or four main ideas that speak louder than any other from this set of nine Bible texts. Okay? Are you with me? All right, so once I've done that, I develop my three or four main ideas. All right, then develop the three main ideas. Um, these are called main points. We've already talked about that. And this should be a simple, practical statement 
of truth, okay? Something that's going to hit hard home. And so, for instance, um, when someone deals with anger and they say, you know, uh, I just can't forgive that person. I get so angry at them when they walk in the room. What's a main idea that, that I can use that's going to counter that thought? Simply this. Have, have you, has that person ever done anything to you that's worse than what you've ever done to Christ? Right? Is that, a, is that a good thought? That's a powerful statement that they're not going to forget, right? And so that's a main idea that I want to use in my Bible study. Um, be sure that this, this comes from the text and it's not your own, you're not your own idea, right? Don't just make something up, but make sure that these ideas come from the Bible text. Okay, for each main point, you want to have how many texts? Two. Two Bible texts. And then you want to have one in reserve. So if I have three main points, how many texts is that? That's six, but then if I have one in reserve for each point, how many? Nine, right? So that's my nine Bible texts. Does that make sense? So I have three main points. I have three texts for each main point. I have two that I plan to share with that person. And then I have one in reserve. Are you with me? Okay? Very, very simple. So what I'm doing is I'm starting with a whole mess of Bible texts with a bunch of different thoughts. And it's just like writing or anything else. I'm funneling it down to bring it to a refined point that I can then share with someone else in a brief amount of time. Are you with me? Okay? So that's all I'm doing is I'm funneling it down. All right. Develop sub-thoughts. Um, this is kind of like... Uh, you know, the main idea, the main idea of the text, you're just going to give a brief commentary on each text, and uh, you can use the questions that are under number seven. Ask questions to your Bible study as you share with them. Now, this is, this is a powerful principle. If I'm just reading the text to them, it's not doing a whole lot of good, okay? I need to ask them questions so I can know how God is speaking to them, Right? Because if I don't know how God's speaking to them and I keep talking, what am I going to do? I'm going to probably blow whatever opportunity I have that <clears throat> to let God speak to that person in a special way, right? So I need to know how is God speaking to them through what we're studying so that I know how to hone my study and draw them closer to the Lord, right? Okay, so let's ask some questions. These are the type of questions I would ask to my Bible study as I go through the study. Number one, what does this text say to you? Isn't that a great, uh, isn't that a great uh, question to ask? What might be their response? Just in, in, in any case, what might be their response? Nothing. I don't get it. Nothing, right? Then what do I know? Man, I, I, I need to explain the text to them a little bit more, right? What if they say... You know what? I sense God calling me to keep the Sabbath because of this text. What, what do I know then? Is God speaking to their heart? Yes. What if they say, what if we read a text that says, don't do anything harmful to your bodies? You know, our body's the temple of the Holy Spirit. And we say, what does this text say to you? And they say, well, you know, I smoke and it's damaging to my body. And I sense that God may be calling me to give up smoking. What do I know? God's convicting them, right? So it tells me a lot of things. Based upon what they say, it tells me a lot. Other questions you can ask. What do you think God wants us to know from this text? Um, and, and what that tells me is not so much what it says to them, but what they think God is thinking. Does that make sense? Is that important to know? 
Yes. Do you see how the example of whatever it is applies to your life? You know, let's say I'm, I'm reading a story from the Bible, we're studying a passage, and, and I say, do you see how this example of this person applies to your life? Is that important? It's important, isn't it? Letter D, what changes do you sense God calling you to make in your life because of this text? Is that a good question? What is that going to tell you? How God's speaking to them, right? What God is specifically asking them to do. And they may say nothing. They may say, God's calling me to keep the Sabbath. He may be calling me to whatever. How does following through with this bring us closer to Christ, right? That helps me to know whether they believe that this text is just a fact or if it's really Christ calling them to do this, right? Um, uh, how do I... How does following through with this bring us closer to Christ? And I want to know if it's really Christ speaking to their heart or if they're just listening to me tell a bunch of facts. And then the final question is, if God wants us to do this, do you think that He can give us what we need to do it? If they're addicted to smoking and they are convicted that they need to stop, does that necessarily mean that they'll stop? It doesn't mean that they'll stop, does it? What it means is they need the power. And if they don't realize or they don't understand that God can give them the power, is it likely that they'll quit? Yes or no? Probably not. But if they know and they believe that God can give them the power, will they, can they be victorious? Yeah. Absolutely, right? Absolutely. So I need to know what they believe. And then I can share with them the right text that God can, uh, can give them that victory. All right? Be with me. If, bear with me a few more minutes here. Be sure not to only dwell in the requirements of God, but also the what? You need to keep the Sabbath. You need to not work. You need to, 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 to be off on the Sabbath. Don't buy or sell on the Sabbath. Don't wear jewelry. Don't eat porque, right? Don't eat Miss Piggy. Are, are these damaging to people? Don't do this, don't do that. But instead, what do we need to say? Spend time with God on the Sabbath, right? It's a joy, it's a privilege. Focus on God's promises, not so much on the requirements. Um, be sure to use personal testimonies, etc. I already mentioned this. Uh, be sure that you don't conflict with what the rest of the Bible says. The best way to do that is to start with your 100 texts and dwindle them down. Because if you start with 100 texts and you bring them down to 9, are you going to have a theme of what the Bible says? If you start with 1 and go to 9, could you conflict with what the rest of the Bible says? Does that make sense? Start with 100 and whittle down. Don't start with one and go up because you'll, you'll eventually you'll start teaching error. That's the safest way is to see what the whole Bible says. Use a text for an intro and an appeal. You can use a Bible story, an amazing fact or whatever. Um, the appeal text should be more than information. It should be something that pulls their heart to follow Jesus. What's a great text for that? John 14, 15. If you... Love me, keep my commandments, right? Is that a text that pulls their heart to follow him? If any man follow me, wants to follow me, let him take up his cross and do what? Follow me, right? Is that a text that pulls people's heart to follow Jesus? Is that a good appeal text? It's a good appeal text, isn't it? All right, and then lastly, give an appeal at the end that helps a person see what God wants them to do. Ask them, when you're studying the Sabbath, don't say, do you want to give your heart to Jesus? Because why? You've already asked them that question two stu four studies ago. If I'm studying the Sabbath, what should I ask them to do? Keep the Sabbath. 
If I'm, at, if I'm doing a study on baptism, what should I ask them to do? Be baptized, right? Don't just try to get away with these little, uh, do you want God to lead in your life? Well, that's fine for the second Bible study. But when you're asking them, when you're studying with them the true church, you need to ask them to join the church, right? What would keep you from making that decision? So ask the, the decision question that's relevant to the study rather than just a generic one. All right. What should the study look like when you finish with it? Now that I've kind of jumbled your brain a little bit, this is the outline of the study, and it's in your book as well on page 42. Introduction, one Bible text, the body of your study. You have your three main points, main point one, two, and three, and a how many texts for each one? Two, and then one in reserve, right? And then for each main point, I should have a illustration. Somewhere in my Bible study, I should have what? Personal testimonies. I should have an appeal and a... Hello? A summary and a decision question, right? Okay, so I, I have my introduction, one or, one or two text, my appeal, one or two text, my body with the three main points, my personal testimony. See how it all comes together? And when you present that, it'll be powerful, it'll be spirit-filled, it'll be interesting, and, and you'll see people's lives transformed. All right, can I take three more minutes? Okay, the last one is the five W's and the H. I call it the five W's. How many of you, when you are in school, you had to write a paper in which you had to answer the five W's? Who, what, when, where, how, and why, right? And have you ever done that before? You can do that in a Bible study. Did you know that? It's very, very simple. It'll take me three minutes to explain it to you. Pick a subject. Ask the Holy Spirit to lead you. Pick a subject in the Bible and answer these five questions, right? Let's choose the subject of faith, okay? I can do this in six easy questions. Um, and this is what my study will look like. Who needs what? Faith. How do I answer that? I look up the Bible. Who needs faith? Everyone needs faith, right? Everyone needs faith according to the Bible. Secondly, what is faith, right? I find a Bible text that describes what faith is, right? Thirdly, when does God give us faith? And when do we need faith the most, right? I research, I research all my texts on faith, and I find texts that answer these questions. Um, D, where do we discover faith, right? Where do we discover faith? Why is faith so important to us? Why is it vital to the Christian life? Right? And then lastly, how do we increase our faith? How do we share our faith? How is faith relevant to us today? Now you can, you can change these questions around. They're all listed in your notes. You can change these questions around. And you can do a Bible study just by answering the five W's and the H's. Right? And all you do is research the text. Look them up, and it's that simple, right? And you just go down your questions with that person. You can do that with any Bible subject. The Sabbath. Who, who created the Sabbath? What is the Sabbath? What significance does it have for my life? When is the Sabbath? Where do we, you know, where do we um, find God in the Sabbath? Or, or, or where should we be on the Sabbath, right? Um, why is the Sabbath important? Why is it relevant to us? How do we keep the Sabbath, right? You can use that for anything. It's powerful, isn't it? The five W's and the H. All it takes is a little bit of research and a little bit of organization, 
and you can give a Bible study to anybody. Amen? I know this session was, a, I didn't tell as many stories and whatnot, but I had to get all that information in. And uh, I hope that, was this helpful to some of you? Let me see your hands if it was helpful. All right. Now let me see your hands if you plan to use it. All right. This is my assignment for you. Go home tonight when you get home from the seminar. Pick a subject and answer the five W's and the H. All right. Do that. Write it out and do it tonight before you lose it and forget. And do it tonight. And you may not finish the whole thing, but work on it. And keep working on it. And before you know it, within a couple of hours or, or, or however long it takes, you may take it 10 minutes, you can have an effective Bible study to share with someone else. Amen? And so you guys can do it. Remember, you do. You what? You do have what it takes for Jesus to use you to give a Bible study because God doesn't need perfect talent and skill. He needs you. Amen? How many of you really believe that? If you really believe it, you're going to let God use you. Amen? Well, thank you so much. It's been a joy to have you. Tomorrow morning, my friend Kevin, I don't think he's in here now, my friend Kevin's going to share how do we answer hard objections, hard Bible studies, or in Bible studies. How do we answer those difficult objections and questions? And then our second session will be Kevin, Annie, and I will be here together, and we'll have a panel, a Q&A panel, and you guys can ask questions um, about what's important to you or about circumstances you've dealt with in Bible studies or whatever. And we'll be happy to answer any questions that we can, okay? Let's close with prayer. Why don't we just stand together as we close with a word of prayer. You guys have been great. I wish I had more time to spend with you guys. And so maybe you can come to AFCO or AFCO to go, or even one, especially even one of the other uh, mission schools. I encourage you to think about it, pray about it, and let God lead you. Amen? Let's pray together. Father in heaven, today we're just so thankful for the principles you give us to have simple Bible studies. And Lord, I know for some people today, this may have seemed overwhelming, but when we sit down and when we apply it, it's very, very easy. And I pray that you would use each person here to begin writing their own studies, to go home, follow the instructions that they have in their book, and step by step that you'll lead them uh, to develop wonderful tools, wonderful studies that they can use and you can use through them to change people's lives for eternity. What a joy it will be to be in heaven with these folks and as we see how we have impacted their lives when we were here on this earth and that we will rejoice forever as we spend time with them and with you throughout all eternity. Use us, Lord, in a mighty way. Help us to rise to the challenge and to step up to the plate and be willing to be used by you. That is our prayer and our desire. In Jesus' name, amen. This media was produced by Audioverse for GYC, Generation of Youth for Christ. If you would like to learn more about GYC, please visit www.gycweb.org. Or if you would like to listen to more free online sermons, please visit www.audioverse.org.